0: Hello, I am Brian Fuller, creator of NBC's Hannibal, and you are listening to The Dinner Party Show with Eric Joaquin and Christopher Rice.
1: I went to a mom's party.
2: Most people don't even know the facts. They go with their gut the only thing your gut cares about
1: is money. Christopher? This is only going to work if we speak one at a time.
2: Fine. You first, Eric. Live!
1: Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the Dinner Party Show's live cast for March 29th, 2015.
2: And tonight we will not be talking about the fact that my cats are still at my house. Uh That's right, at 6.30am on Friday morning, just a few minutes before we were all to depart for LAX, Uh both cats decided there wasn't a furball's chance in hell they would remain inside the single carrier Southwest Airlines requires, For in-cabin transport of domestic animals. Who saw
1: that coming?
2: Indeed. In light of the fact that this 11th hour refusal resulted in a fit of hysteria...
1: Christopher's.
2: ...that also consumed, also consumed, (laughs) their sleepless, soon-to-be-no-longer owner, their travel plans were scrapped. A farewell Facebook post with over 1,000 likes (gasps) was deleted... And All those likes. As tongue-in-cheek <laughs> goodbye recorded for tonight's episode of The Dinner Party Show was postponed until next week. Spoiler alert. Because this Wednesday, the Little Divas will be traveling in individual carriers by car to a new and loving home. Aww. Perhaps I'll also include a bucket of champagne and some caviar since they clearly hate flying coach. <laughs> but, just but, to be safe. Just to be safe. But until they're safely on their way, we're not talking about them again.
1: Right? We don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx it. No. (laughs) Also, we are too confused to comment on Indiana's bigot-in-chief, Governor Mike Pence, who this week signed a bill into law that legalizes right-to-refuse-service-style discrimination based on one's religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. The law is designed to codify discrimination against gay people since it's becoming clear that all the other unconstitutional shit they've tried isn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. When Indiana and Everyone from sports league officials to top CEOs to people who just think bigotry is just so last millennium Mm -hmm. erupted into a firestorm of protests and denunciations. No longer presidential hopeful, Pence said that he would never have signed the bill had he thought it would allow people to discriminate. (laughs) Since there is no problem with religious freedom in Indiana, the only purpose of the bill is to allow people to discriminate.
2: Indeed, the
1: only question seems to be: Is Chief Extercutive Pence a liar or a fuckwit, mm. or both? Either way, we can't believe this lying fuckwit is actually a worse governor than Arizona's finger-wagging, papers-please chief executive, Jan Brewer, who had the good sense not to sign a similar bill into law in her own state. In the only not completely moronic action she has taken since she was sworn in, I like
2: that debate.
1: So all we right? <laughs> so all we have to say to Indiana's head bigot is congratulations. You're yes. not very excellency. see. We've long suspected it, but now it's official, Governor Pence. You suck, and not in a good way.
2: Not at all. Not in a good way. Also not being discussed, any diehard Hoosiers out there (laughs) who are attempting to defend Indiana's track record by pointing to the one lone idiot, bigot, terrorist, psychopath, asshole in California Uh. who is attempting to put forth a kill the gays bill called the Sodomite Suppression Act. Jesus. Jesus. It's a horrible, horrible act, but let's get something clear. If you're stupid enough to need a side-by-side comparison on why these two things are different, here goes. The Sodomite Suppression Act is a potential ballot initiative proposed by a single homicidal terrorist. Furthermore, the Attorney General of the state of California is currently working to prevent it from even being considered for inclusion on the ballot.
1: Got that man some thorazine.
2: Furthermore, California's ballot proposal process is open to anyone with $200, the ability to write English, and who can acquire a number of voter signatures equal to 5% of the people who voted in the last gubernatorial election. That's a lot. Yeah, in other words, good fucking luck, psycho lawyer asshole. (laughs) Indiana's Right to Discriminate Act Act, on the other hand, was just signed into law by the highest elected official in the state
1: and lying fuckwit
2: during a photo op where he was flanked by multiple religious leaders and other
1: fuckwits. God would be so proud.
2: Worse, the governor of Arkansas is scheduled to sign a similar bill into law this week. So if you think this Ugh. compares with the Sodomite Suppression Act, I'm sorry to tell you a clearer example of a false equivalency cannot be found and false equivalencies are not talked about with any seriousness or respect
1: on The Dinner Party Show. That's correct. We have very strong policies about fallacious rhetorical (laughs) devices here at The Dinner Party Show. We do. Also, in response to the international headlines and ceaseless reporting that Zane has left One Direction, we'd like to point out that Lyle will not be continuing with the Los Angeles (laughs) Gay Men's Chorus again this season because of work conflicts. Also, that actor on Empire whose name you never knew and whose character name you don't remember was killed in the last episode and will not be back next season – and the bag boy at Gelson's Market on Santa Monica Boulevard graduated <laughs> from college and got a good job with an accounting firm, so Thursday was his last day bagging. Oh, no. Yeah, we were all very sad. We here at the Dinner Party Show just wanted to update you on a few other people whose names you never knew before <laughs> who are leaving their current jobs. We thought that the former One Direction guy's name was Not Harry Styles. (laughs) And the only reason that we know that Not Harry Styles, non-Harry Styles group member Lewis or Louis's name is Lewis or Louis is that he's (laughs) rumored to be Harry Styles' lover. Mm -hmm. We wish the singer formerly known as Not Harry Styles number 4 every (laughs) success and an identity of his own. As for you at CNN and in the national news media, we think you should calm the fuck down. Mm -hmm. Also, we don't give a crap about Justin Bieber's roast tomorrow on Comedy Central, so you can shut up about that too. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. I thought his name was Zion.
0: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. (laughs) Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show.
2: I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Charcliffe. if Quinn. there's one thing you want to hear from your co-host, 10 seconds before you come back live, it's, are, are we back right away? Yes. What do you want to talk about? about? Well, I think we should talk about the fact that our guest is not here yet. Or is he here? Is Adam Robitel in the studio, Brandon Griffith? Or Elvis Presley? He has to turn around. He's here! Oh, Adam Robitel is here. He's
1: in the building. This
2: is what you get for having your close friends on your radio show, is that they show up Whenever right they fucking well feel like ...whenever they fucking it. feel like Adam Robitel, director of the uh, much acclaimed and truly terrifying... Absolutely terrifying. ...The Taking of Deborah Logan... Which I will, and we will talk about this later in the show when he's on. It's the only <laughs> we found, don't use it up. We don't want to use anything up. Don't make me tell that Oprah story again. Oh God! Don't not make that. Me anything tell but Kathy the Oprah Griffin's story. Oprah not story. Not the Oprah story. Um, I don't like found footage horror films. I never have, but I like this one, and we'll talk about how or what he did that made it work for me. Because Adam's because interview it's really, will really mostly be about, about you.
1: And Everybody drink
2: absolutely, and I already said in the not report we can't talk about the cat debacle on Friday, and that's really all I've been doing all weekend. Oh is dealing God! With and cats. so
1: that was really a personal late birthday gift for me.
2: Yeah, we we do have complaints. <laughs> I, this is an interesting point. <laughs> Something coming in on the on the um, on the Facebook page de, 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 from de, de, our party people. John Matson is asking if Adam can make the movie available in Australia. Apparently, uh, The Taking of Deborah Logan is it's, not available on. It's Netflix on yet. Netflix, but it's not available on Netflix in Australia. How would that be? I don't know, and I will say this: How do you
1: cause the internet not to be somewhere? This this speaks directly to my complete inability to understand what the internet actually is. Yeah, it's called in the first place. It's called geo blocking. You just I block just, it in certain like, countries. Like I we d-
2: couldn't, we can't stream. In America, we can't stream programs off the ITV website. Isn't that the one of the big British television websites? They can't stream off of our network websites here. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I guess it's under a different agreement. I have an Amazon Fire TV, as do you, and there is a Sky News app where I can load it and watch a live feed of Sky News. But I guess guy So If you is, care
1: what's not going on here, you can do right. I actually right in. think
2: it's it's really weird that I like it. It's morning in the UK when I'm going to bed here, which is usually late, it's like 1 in the morning. In the and I find their morning do you know news where your children to are? be really refreshing. <laughs> and there's a there's the guy that got in all the trouble for sorting through the personal belongings of airplane crash victims, but he's very charming and he apologized and and they're they're just a I'm lot sorry, calmer than we... sorting.
1: Like yeah, was the he
2: alphabetizing. Was, it? He was what does on, that mean? and maybe one of our party people can can say it was actually an awful story. But he was on the scene. <laughs> really, of the No, it was one of the less cheerful airplane crash stories. Jesus.
1: He was on. Imagine the... Imagine that. He
2: was on the scene of the um, the Malaysian Airlines flight that had been shot down over the Ukraine with a missile, and he was oh, began literally one. handling. And he said he was so overwhelmed by everything he was seeing. And he starts handling a suitcase with belongings in it and realized as he was doing it set on the air, I shouldn't be doing this. This is awful. And so he, he stopped doing it. But he had to issue a big apology. And I think... Um, you know, I don't know how we got started on this story or what it has to do. With I'm sure John the dead people feel question. much better now. But it was—he's you know, apologized. He's very charming when he's talking in the morning on the street to British people under a gray sky, which is how the Sky Morning News sort of feels to me
1: because we you, live in relentless and sunlight And what, what are they thinking about the guy from that uh, Top Gear or whatever the fuck the, the car show that got I don't 86 this week? When I don't said, know.
2: I follow the Twitter account of a young diver on Tom Daly's diving team, Jack Lauer, and uh-huh. he was not happy. He was not pleased. So, so he
1: thinks that people should be allowed to verbally and physically abuse their producers. Oh, was that, I, I'm was not, that part of it? I'm not actually opposed to that necessarily, like yeah. on principle, but it does seem like. And there's a whole. There was a list of things that they were saying had been complaints over the years, like using the N word in the mm-hmm. eeny, meeny, miny, mo" thing with. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole series of. It was like, okay, wow. Well, um,
2: it reminds me. pay me the, for Jack Lauer. This was like Ashton Kutcher's tweet when he hadn't heard the whole Penn State scandal. <laughs> And he was like, oh my God, they fired Joe Paterno. What's wrong with them? <laughs> and they were like, at, his publicist was like, Ashton, give me all of your devices right now. Oh my God.
1: Have you seen The Royals? No. Oh my God. It's this new, really trashy television show on E. Um, e. Which John
2: Matson probably can't
1: watch <laughs> because he's in Australia. Or maybe, you know, that's all they have. Let me on answer
2: there. that question just real quickly. Let me round out that point. Artists can do nothing about this, John. I'm sorry to tell you. We can do nothing about this. It has to do with politics and, I'm and gonna international ask, I'm laws. I'm going to put Adam
1: on this spot when yeah, he gets on we the air, too. I
2: get complaints but about I was actually telling a story. Yeah, okay, go ahead. But <laughs> we didn't answer his question, and we were wandering off, and I don't know where you were going to end up or what no, was...
1: there's just a really funny device where the the royal daughter, her Twitter account has been taken over because she's yeah. such a drunken tweeter that, the, um, that there's a person in the PR department. She writes the post, and then... It goes up and then the it goes through the PR person and then you see the post. Is it actually I love my mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's Isn't this a great, great. country or That's whatever? Pretty funny. And she treats, you know like fuck her and fuck everybody else and ah, drugs yeah, yeah, yeah. and rock and roll and right. I love mom. I love the queen. I Long love the live queen. The queen. Yes, the it's, queen. it's really sort of perfect. So maybe we need that sort of. Um, uh, Twitter device.
2: Maybe so. I think I'm okay on Twitter Somebody now. To, I've never had one of those Twitter moments well, of like, yeah, where did I say? Because sit? you're
1: not as you're not living in a complete bubble like Ashton Kutcher or yeah. people with. Uh, I think because that's, we're yeah. not
2: that successful.
1: We want to be successful enough to be completely detached. We want everyone reality. to pile
2: on us over every possibly racist <laughs> thing that we say. We want seven thousand hate tweets a minute. I oh, God, am going to yes, say this. That's what I'm dying for. This is, I'm going to say this, and then we've got to go um, to a, a new reality show we're premiering tonight on the dinner party show called uh, Surviving. That oh, should be interesting. not a
1: big fan of reality shows. Well, I
2: think you're going to like this one. This is has a more political bent. <sighs> Before I say this, I'm just going to say this. If we stay on schedule... An exciting new component to the dinnerpartyshow.com may debut next week, and that's all I'm going to say. Exciting, it will be, I think, of particular interest to our. Party. Teaser ish. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Adam Robitel from The Taking of Deborah Logan, or who directed The Taking of Deborah Logan. I don't who know. Who is Deborah him.
1: Logan? Yeah. Deborah who Logan. Who took Deborah Logan.
2: And we'll also be joined by the lovely Kristen Proby, who is part of our 1001 pat. Dark Nights show is packed. Author Spotlight. There's so much to do tonight, but now we go to the premiere of our new reality series, Surviving.
1: I'm your host, Crack Artery, and we're back with more of Surviving, the Iowa Caucuses edition. Ted and Rand have accepted the Pancake House Conservatoff Challenge, where two contestants try to save thinly veiled racist things to the diners without attracting the intention of media judges. It's a risky gambit, but the winner gets an immunity challenge in the Evolution Declaration round, where potential candidates have to stand on stage in front of cameras and declare out loud, and for the record, that they don't believe in evolution. Let's hear what candidate Rand had to say about this challenge.
2: really need immunity for the whole evolution challenge i'm actually a doctor so i'm worried that my medical degree might give the moron swing votes the impression that i accept modern scientific fact on the one hand if i go on the record as not believing in evolution i risk losing the not complete moron vote on the other hand If I don't declare that despite overwhelming scientific data and the absence of a single shred of evidence of the existence of anything other than evolution that I think fairy tales ought to be taught in science class as if they were a viable explanation of life on Earth, I can't win the batshit conservative lunatic vote I need for victory in Iowa. Why do we have to start in Iowa?
1: And we're back at the only remaining Sambo's restaurant in North America, located just outside Tar Baby, Iowa, the seat of Wifebeater County. The restaurant will be the scene of our conservative challenge between Ted and Rand. The restaurant is filling up with conservative yahoos and ignorant pancake and institutional bigotry enthusiasts. But it's tricky because we have embedded liberals sprinkled throughout the crowd and linked directly to mainstream media outlets in other, less crazy areas of the country. Let's check in with Ted on this challenge.
2: Well, I'll tell you, this is a tricky one. On the one hand, it's tempting to relax and talk like I'm in the men's only section of my country club back home. We all understand one another there, and things that some people might consider racist, or misogynistic, or just downright insensitive ignorant bloviation, what we all know is just free speech among people. And by that I mean men with shared values and backgrounds, which of course means white men. Now while I know the real Americans, which also means white men, who will be dining here at Sambo's this morning, would totally understand that my anti-women, anti-immigrant, anti-minority slurs and innuendos are just free speech. Some of my best friends are women and minorities. They just can't join my club, or earn as much money as I do, or avail themselves of the same rights and legal protections and privileges I enjoy because the Constitution, our founding fathers, and Christian patriotism. Ted, aren't you a minority and an immigrant? That's a dirty lie. And I had the records expunged to conceal my Canadian citizenship and family origins to prove it. But
1: your last name has is... been legally changed to White Guy. Okay, Ted, good luck on the challenge. We're back, and Rand has been making his way through the restaurant, hassling the breakfast crowd. In any state other than Iowa or Ohio, this would be considered rude, but all restaurants in these two states have roaming candidates year-round, due to their unwarranted and artificially inflated importance owing to flaws and quirks in the primary system and the electoral college that cause presidential candidates to ignore the majority of Americans, which skews conservative to pander to these unrepresentative flukes in the system. Let's see how Rand is getting along.
2: Well, I couldn't agree more. I don't think the president really loves America either. (laughs) Yeah, boy, howdy. You said a mouthful. Girl, can we
1: get some more coffee over here? That's code for I still haven't gotten over the fact that the president is black either. Okay, let's follow Rand as he moves on
2: to another table. Morning, ladies. My name is Rand and I'm running for president. I just wanted to introduce myself and ask for your support in the upcoming caucuses. Well,
1: nice to meet
2: you. I'm Margie. This is my oldest friend. Gay. Margie, gay, nice to meet you too. Do you two young ladies have a moment or two to spare me? I'd like to hear what you think the biggest issues are in the upcoming presidential election.
1: You're a charmer, you are. I'll have to watch out for you. You'll make me blush, Margie. Oh, hush. Just to be clear... We're talking about 2016 elections, right? Yes, of course. Well, this is Iowa, so you can never tell. That fellow over there at the counter is running in 2020. And just last week, we had our first 2024 candidate.
2: Yes, he was still in law school at Harvard, but he said he wanted to get out ahead of the pack and start early. Well... I'm looking at a run in 2016 for now. Then I
1: guess I'd have to say I think the big issue in 2016 is going to be immigration.
2: I agree with you, Margie, and I feel strongly about the president's executive actions to force his agenda on the whole immigration issue. What's that you're having for breakfast there, Margie. Hmm,
1: nutmeg sautéed quinoa with steamed berries.
2: That sounds delicious. Anyway, I'm sure you'd agree that the president's executive action didn't go far enough and we need comprehensive immigration reform, not just band-aid
1: quick fixes. <laughs> I'm sure the readers at the Times will agree with you as well.
2: Close one. Good spotting on that breakfast. No one in Iowa would eat quinoa at any time of day. Let alone for breakfast. I knew she had to
1: be from some trendy East Coast media capital. Well, it was a good save, but will it be enough to win Rand the conservative off challenge and earn him the immunity he needs for the all-important evolution declaration round? When we come back, we'll check in with Ted to see how he's navigating this sea of reactionary diners. So
2: the second guy says, a bridge in the desert? Why'd you have to tear it down? And the first guy says, cause we couldn't keep the (gasps) from fishing (gasps) off the (laughs) Well,
1: it looks like Ted's going all in. It could be anybody's breakfast. And when we come back, Mike Huckabee's vicious, bloodthirsty, anti-abortion, anti-women's rights rally, or quaint town hall meeting. You decide. I believe that every life is sacred until the moment of birth. And then I could not care less if those little anchor babies have adequate food, clean water, healthcare, education, or even a cardboard box to sleep in, because the deficit. All that and more when we return to Surviving the Iowa Caucuses Edition.
0: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot. With the heads are hotter. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher
2: Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And it's time for another one of our 1001 Dark Nights author spotlights. Woo-hoo! We are joined at this hour by Kristen Proby, whose novella in the 1001 Dark Nights series came out this week. It's called Easy With You. It's a With Me in Seattle novella, and you can buy it currently through the thedinnerpartyshow.com. Welcome to The Dinner Party Show, Kristen. Hey.
3: Guys, thanks for having
2: me. Absolutely. Okay, so we want to start by asking you. Anyone who knows romance knows that there are about twenty-four different subgenres and subcategories, right? <laughs> and ten thousand right. of each of those. Yeah. So, which one do you think easy with you fits into? It's a romantic
3: suspense. Okay. For sure, with wow. some sexiness thrown
1: in. I like that. What's the suspense about? So there's a uh, serial killer in this book. Oh, wow! That's suspenseful. <laughs>
3: It is. We it's a whodunit, so we don't know till the very end.
2: Okay, excellent. So, but this is also you have two different series that are. I think one is your your with me in Seattle series is sort of wrapping up. Is that correct? And then you're launching another series that's set in New Orleans. And is this the kind of crossover between the two? Exactly. Yes. Excellent. Yes.
3: The hero in this book is his name is Asher. He appears in my with me in Seattle series in the book Tied with Me as that hero's partner. He's a cop. Okay. And the heroine, she makes her first appearance in Easy Love, which is the first book in my Boudreaux series, that in New Orleans. And uh, she is the heroine's best friend in the first book of that series, so Excellent. brought them together.
1: So I think the long way we're getting around to saying is that while this is a part of the With Me in Seattle novella series. It takes place in New Orleans. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> so you
2: get the best of both worlds. <laughs> you you have been a big success in indie publishing. You recently did a few books with Simon and & Schuster, and now you're back in the world of indie. Is that correct, that the, the new series you're doing is, is indie? Correct. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Which means lower prices for all of us, which everybody gets very excited yes. about. Yes. Lower prices and more control for me, which
3: Absolutely. I Absolutely.
2: Cool. Yes. Cool. Content is king. All right. Well, we're going to subject you to our 1001 Dark Knights questionnaire. Christopher, you
1: can't say it like that. <laughs> hey. Congratulations. <laughs> You've been selected to participate in our 1001 Dark Knights questionnaire. You could be a big winner.
2: <laughs> we'll see. We'll huh? see how she feels when we're done. All right. we're (laughs) We're going to cue up our game show music here at the Dinner Party Show. Cue the game show band. All right, Kristen, here is your first question. Okay. You are dangling from a clock face by your bare hands over a 30-story drop. Who do you most want to come to your rescue? A vampire, a shifter, or a Navy SEAL? You
3: know, I definitely don't want the shifter. I've been in this uh, weird vampire diaries, the original... um, Obsession. To be honest with you, for the past few weeks. So I'm going to go with the vampire. Cool. Yeah,
1: there are some vampires worth obsessing about in that particular little override. Yeah. Exactly. Uh huh. Good choice.
3: Looks like Elijah. All the better. I'll take him.
2: If Elijah. Okay. Now. Now. Elijah may be good looking, but do you think he's actually capable of rescuing you from a 30-story drop? He's a vampire. Oh, okay. Absolutely. They can fly. Right? I believe in
3: him. And
1: the, being one of the originals, he's incredibly powerful. Wow.
2: All right, then. All right, cool. You know, Eric Shaw, I never let you ask any of these questions. Would you like to ask the
1: next one? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, turn the oh, page back to where the ones actually there are. There you go. There you go. I was trying to cut you in, and now oh, I've caught damn you off guard. It. Okay, here we go. I, this is my first time asking questions, so be patient with me. Be gentle with me, Kristen. This is my first time. I'm very gentle, Eric. Okay. Uh, The man you're in a relationship with has left dirty dishes in the sink for the third time this week. Who would you most like to make him jealous with, A, a billionaire's CEO, B, a stud from a motorcycle gang, or C, Bigfoot? (laughs)
3: Well, I mean, there's no contest. I'm going to go with the billionaire CEO because they'll just hire me somebody to come in and take care of everything. You are
1: a girl after my own
2: heart. Yeah, and also I should point out as the author of this question, I don't know if anybody's husband or boyfriend or partner would be all that jealous if they saw them outside with Bigfoot. I think they'd be like, "Ah, Bigfoot's here. They'd be horrified
1: though. There might be shooting involved. (laughs)
3: Right. I mean, maybe my man will jump in to protect me
1: from Bigfoot yes that's what I thought like it might think you were being attacked rather than being you know jealousified
2: also, maybe Bigfoot was bred genetically by a billionaire CEO who was hunting him because it's a tragedy has gotten loose the in the woods. With the assistance of
1: a motorcycle yeah, gang. Yeah,
2: and, and by being kidnapped by Bigfoot, you will be rescued and by the billionaire
1: CEO. This is why we're riders! In a thousand and one Dark Nights riders. Bigfoot's bam- a billionaire motorcycle gang. <laughs> available <laughs> next week. Excellent.
2: Poor this Kristen. is all very complex. This is all very this, Kristen's like, this is more than I, I signed up for. I'm hanging up now. I'm hanging up now. Okay, <laughs> not, not before she answers the next question. Finish this sentence with one word, Kristen. Romance is? Uh, there you go. That's a great word. Um, <laughs> Romance is ugh. a lot of words. I, I mean, we could go with beautiful. Romance is beautiful. It
3: is in my book.
2: Okay, that's good, because it's not in every book. In, in a lot of books, sometimes it's angsty or it's We're gray. Sure. Or gray. Fifty Shades, 50 Shades of Grey. Yeah. Darker. Darker, yeah. which yeah. is there are some dark moments in Fifty Shades of Grey. All right, true or false, in real life, there are no happy endings? False. Okay. Yeah. I
3: believe in happy endings.
1: Yeah. From personal experience or from observation or just hope springs eternal?
3: I, I'm just going to go with
1: the Hope Springs Eternal. <laughs> right? I think that's the sensible answer.
2: Excellent. <laughs> I hope all, right. all
1: those Celine Dion songs are the truth.
2: I know. Here's how we... Okay, we've reached the end of our quiz. Congratulations,
1: you've survived. It's time to dig Woo, deep I into went. our
2: fishbowl. This is our fishbowl sound the effect. This big moment. And this, we're calling this the Hero Bowl right now. This is Hero Bowl sound effect. The Bowl of Heroes binders? <laughs> And and because I believe you're currently single, if it's all right for me to say that, most of the people we've we've done the Hero Bowl for have been married women, and they're not really keen on going on the radio to talk about who they get to spend a night with. In private is another story. (laughs) In private, but because you're single Kristen, maybe you will be happy to learn that the Hero Bowl has delivered Jamie from Outlander. You get a night with Jamie from Outlander.
1: (laughs) And if you don't want that, you can't accept it for any reason. I'll be happy to take that off your hands. <laughs> I can yeah. Oh,
3: trust me.
1: He's all mine. Oh, yeah. All oh.
2: mine, boys.
1: Enjoy.
2: Excellent. Well, Kristen, thank you very much for joining us here on the Dinner Party Show. It was lovely to have you. Thank you. It was lovely being here. And uh, congratulations on the release of your novella. And I, we are so happy. It's your first novella in the 1001 Dark Knight series. And we are so
1: happy to have you. It's Easy With You. It's part of the With Me in... Seattle novella series, yeah, and it's available uh, at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and and it's available exclusively
2: on Amazon for ninety days, and then after those ninety days, it becomes available from other retailers that sell eBooks like iBooks, Barnes and Noble Nook,
1: and Kobo. But look it up on thedinnerpartyshow.com and uh, purchase it through that link. And not only does it help support Kristen, it helps support the Dinner Party Show.
2: Thanks for joining us, Kristen. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. Good luck.
0: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish!
2: Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. Ely Golding shut down the <laughs> Dinner Party Show system there for a second. It's all that Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack hotness. <laughs>
1: Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Shaw and we have no idea what's going on here. Oh. No, oh, now the computer's <laughs>
4: Things back.
2: Things are happening <laughs> now. It's a maximum it's overdrive moment here on the Dinner uh, Party Show. Which welcome
1: is- to Technical Difficulties with Christopher and Eric.
2: See now, Adam Robitel. There's nothing you can do that'll be as awkward as that little moment we just I brought had. Brought some in the, demon party into the studio.
1: They're rebooting the computer now. Don't look. It's Yeah, terrifying, this is but always we'll the fine. fun
2: part when we have a computer problem because I have a screen next to me right now. Party people. And it's also controlled by Brandon in our sound booth, so we'll be doing the show, and then everything on the screen will just completely go to shit. I can't believe you not. guys
4: are rocking MS-DOS. That's amazing. We are so
1: rocking MS-DOS. We got our apricot
2: going
4: well, it's, it, it over here. It is because
1: Apple refuses to cooperate oh, with other
4: program designers.
2: Oh, that's actually
4: true. I he says on, on his iPhone and his iPad. Absolutely. Right like, it's there. not like
1: we wouldn't get them if they weren't such corporate shits and would actually allow other people's programs to run on their computers. We would be using one, but yeah, they I won't, th- so I we can't. I think the
2: moment that where we gave in was we were trying to buy a show clock program. At some point, we'll talk about your movie, Adam. But That's fine. I like we we talking about trying...
4: workflow. It's fine.
2: Right. Workflow is here on the Workflow podcast. <laughs> well, a wonky four-hour discussion of computer process. programs. <laughs> Next week, the Commodore computer. I'm fairly maligned. <laughs> uh, we were trying to buy a program that would, that would it was like a show scheduler, and it wasn't I'd... available for Mac, and like at that point, that was it. We weren't having them in the studio. Christopher but I do lost
1: his shit.
2: I lost my shit. No, I caved in because I knew it was coming from you. I knew I was going to cue another anti-Mac tirade from Eric Shaw Quinn. No, I lost my shit.
1: That's actually the story.
2: He
4: really um, did. He called me
1: up. That's it. I've had it. We're going, we're going. And that was how we wound up with him. Wait, are,
4: do you have an Apple computer now, Eric? Because I feel like you didn't. He, he does has me? one. He has okay. A laptop. So that's a huge But deal. it was a gift. My mother forced it me. I have the an
1: iPad. Apple laptop. No, she did not. I was delighted to have it. I don't dislike the computers. I just dislike their corporate policy. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I get it. I wish they would play better with others. That's really the, that's it. That's my whole. They're beautiful. They're well designed.
4: Segway
2: alert. What did you edit the taking of Deborah Logan on Apple computers. I did, yeah, it was a
4: Final Cut system and a yeah. Mac, Mac Pro
2: tower. Yeah, so, and it, sure. shows. it shows. It shows, yeah. It's, it's
4: very staccato and bad, bad editing.
2: No, you have the little Apple logo at the bottom right hand corner of every shot in your movie. That's right? true. You yeah. can't get rid of it. You can't it's get like rid this... of it. <laughs> because
1: <laughs> they like to own everything.
2: The yeah. movie uh, was declared a, the rap called it a Netflix gem. Is that the title? Yeah, they,
4: it? it could have been Cubic Zirconia for all we know. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, but it was called a, a gem by the rap. Well, so we haven't awesome. been
1: called any kind of gem so far, so
4: counterbalance. <laughs> Lesson. Actually, <laughs>
2: Vox, the new website Vox, did a list of the most listened to po- or the podcasts you have to listen to, and we are not on it. I just oh. thought that was breaking oh, news, uh, glaring so, oversight. But I no, you. nobody, Vox's is is least
1: it. likely to succeed list. <laughs>
2: so let me let me. D- <laughs> I'm, I'm a storyteller. Are. We're a room full of storytellers. Let me set the scene. So Eric basically bullied you into premiering your movie for a group of us at his apartment, screening it. That's there true. was a, there was an, an actual
1: premiere. It was not. We didn't take anything away from the film, but. No. I did. Adam had been, Adam and I put together a movie night at my house years ago that we still do periodically. And people come by and we vote on what we're going to do. And I say whether or not I can stand to watch that. And then we do. And yeah, absolutely. um, And so Adam always picks Halloween. And so I called, I knew this film was coming out. And I called Adam and said, Oh my God, would it be possible for us to actually screen Deborah Logan for Halloween movie night this year? And And we we made it happen.
2: And you made it happen, but there's always that anxiety and nervousness when you're sitting... Is it probably... I'm going to ask you this. Is it easier to screen the movie for a room full of your friends or for total
4: strangers? In this case, neither, because I was still stinging from our first uh, test screening, which didn't go so well. Oh. And uh, so I had this weird almost like I wanted to abandon the movie at that point I was I hadn't really screened it with a crowd and we it was before it sort of was unleashed in the world and people started to discover it and really kind of I I literally went through the full gamut of thinking like I'll never I never want to watch this again and then sitting down with you guys and it started to play and I uh, yeah for me I I don't like watching my stuff I I'll I just I see every flaw having edited it as well you know I just it's just so that part of the process is always that's why I was very reluctant you're like oh show the movie and I'm like I you know, I don't know that I'll ever enjoy that part of the process. Like and I know some directors who never well, watch their movies again. We but, uh, loved And we it. loved it. And yeah. we went in thinking we were so ready to be like,
2: Wow, Adam, you really worked hard. You know, like all those responses. <laughs> look at those, those great stock credits. Response, look at those right. that was quite a house. That, that font that font you used. And yeah. I went in thinking, like, I don't like found footage horror movies. I'm not I was not a Blair Witch fan and I was not whatever, but you did things technically and structurally that got you around the limitations of that genre. And I thought made it work. You had an amazing cast as well. Just a,
4: yeah, I mean, I you know we've done a lot of interviews subsequently to the movie coming out and stuff, and there is a huge malaise to found footage horror, and mm-hmm. um you know for the the main one being you know validating why people are filming right, like what's the reason right. these cameras are rolling, and what was most exciting for me was just starting in a very grounded place with a medical documentary, you know really earning our way into this this house and this relationship between the mother and daughter, right, and, and, and why
1: it, even they would be invested in why making they're the invested documentary. in, yeah, it was yeah, really, yeah, you know, it was no, it was very they needed the money, they had you, a, a grant, this was all your concept right you wrote this as well yeah right? i
4: i wrote it with uh, gavin heffernan who's my writing partner and uh, it was an idea that i'd had uh, years ago and, and couldn't quite crack and uh, for me it was just like taking you know something that's so scary like alzheimer's disease and then turning it on its head and um i had a, an early clip of research that i showed brian singer which showed a woman in mid-stage disease, and she was, you know, she was writing letters to herself about how she was trying to keep her memories going and she literally, like, post-it notes on the mirror. And, and then it cut to her a year later, and she was as white as this table, you know, mm-hmm. and she didn't recognize Anyone in her immediate family. She was going from fear to anger That's to terrifying. to to joy in like the spell of ten seconds. And I showed Brian Singer, and I said, I, I want to do this, but I want to do a possession movie. Right. You know, and I could just see his because he loves all things medical, and uh, it just seemed like the right sort of blend of. Grounded and then sort of taking the the uh, the screws off of the the ride and, you know, as the movie un, unfolds. And, and
2: it's, it's like the 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 buy-in is that this idea that I found very compelling, which is that a mental illness on the order of Alzheimer's, because that is what we call Alzheimer's a mental illness, right? Even yeah, no, it's sort of. I you think know, it's actually a disease. It's actually it's a of disease of your brain. I mean, it literally so. degrades your brain cells. It's a degenerative, is, it's a yeah. degenerative yeah. disease. Yeah. so it's more than a mental illness. That it makes you vulnerable.
4: To possession, yeah, right. That's not giving away too much. No, no. I think that's that's exactly right. I and mean, you know, we say in the movie, you know, it's the point of departure. Well, it's, it's for us. It was just we didn't want to do another Catholic sort of. You know, we've seen those movies a thousand times. We're right. trying to bring some I new really, language. I find those
1: movies hysterically funny. I do too. I, I do. They, too. They, I think that The Exorcist is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I <laughs> literally howled with laughter. <sighs> just, I, I have no buy-in. Like, I don't worship the devil, so it doesn't have any meaning for me. One so, of the early. This was. You ever stories- hear Richard
4: Pryor do was- the uh, What If the Exorcist took place for the black family? No. Was like- <laughs> He's like, get, get the cross out your pussy. <laughs> So I can, can I say that on yes, yes, you? We're me, okay. not,
2: we are not an FCC-regulated show. We okay. are yes, as a matter of fact, the fact the one internet. of our party
1: people called Christopher pussy-whipped for, wow. for yes, getting pushed around by his she cats. She was
2: talking about my cats, which we included in the not report, so we're not talking about my cats anymore. Okay, no, no but we're, we're talking about you thing. being
1: pussy-whipped. That's yeah, what we
0: are. we're talking about. Absolutely.
2: That's... Speaking of that party person, we actually have a question from her for you, Adam Robitel, on the party line. Okay. Let's see what she had to say.
5: Oh, hi, it's Miko Salson. So, yeah, I saw the taking of Deborah Logan. It's on Netflix right now. It starts out, like, kind of slow, and you get lulled into this sense that nothing is going to happen. And then you're like, oh, whoa, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so it kind of, like, jumps out at you like right? that. So, I um, wanted to know if uh, Mr. Robitel could uh, tell us about how do you decide how long to let people think that they're going to be safe before pulling that kind of staying on there. Okay, bye.
4: That's a great question. You know, now that I'm sort of jumping into screenwriting full full bore, you know, the the first acts in these movies are just there's so much pressure on you to have just super truncated first acts, like mm-hmm. get into it, get into it. And and this movie actually had a lot more sort of the first act it did get edited down quite a bit, but we wanted to slowly there were you know we had gone back and forth to opening maybe with her later in the movie where she's like bloodied and scary looking and posts sort of all the trauma. And uh, it just, we ultimately went back to, which I'm so thankful we did, which is just a bit of a slow burn you know because for me and something I realized in retrospect so much of it is context we've seen so many horrific images with the with the fingertips I can go and and see ISIS videos of people being burned Mm -hmm. alive so it's not about the image itself anymore it's about the context you know And if you can slowly let them sort of believe in the world enough and so you know by you know I I think the uh, Ed Sanchez one one of the Blair Witch writers wrote on Facebook I'm liking Deborah Logan but I think they jumped the shark 15 minutes in and he's referencing her first big sort of scary moment where she peels her neck you know she scratches her her neck and that's a bit of a foreshadow for later uh uh, i don't want to give things away but there's a deep reason in the mythology for why she does this and you know, they, movies are math, and so you need yeah. to hit those beats, you need to give them that act turn, you need the inciting incident. I mean, unfortunately, with people are expecting every, every 10 minutes for a jump, and with horror, it's very metronomic. You need the jump scares. They usually come in twos, you set the stage, a minute later, people are tense, you get a first jump, and then your second jump, so... With found footage, I didn't have a great, you know, Bernard Herman score either. So to answer your question, long-windedly, uh, um, it was very, it was very strategic that we slowly sort of bled into. We wanted to start with a, a grounded medical documentary, give her some some medical uh, information about Alzheimer's, and then. We then settle into the house and settle into the creeks in and hand. the characters, too. We yeah. settled into the characters. I actually cared about her daughter. Her daughter wasn't some
2: hysterical one dimensional rat. And rack, we got to see usually, her yeah.
1: before the sort of before yeah. picture. I, yeah, I, I really prefer that kind of storytelling. I mean, if you want to turn me off to anything, show me something and then put up the font that says one, two, four 24 hours, hours earlier, or five days earlier, or whatever, and I'm done. Yeah. Like, so you have showed me the ending and now you want to tell me how we get to the ending like I don't need to see that anymore
2: well now they're sort of cheating it they're showing you like the midpoint or the first which I actually did in the novel and then flashing back a few hours or a few days but it's still it is it comes out of that anxiety and insecurity that yep. oh I'm not going to get them unless I blow something up in their face in it's the first so five true No, I'm not saying that and there's not I... a
1: good reason for doing that kind yeah. of storytelling but most people just do it so that you have the closing number at the I beginning don't actually... of the show so that everybody's dancing before the, I, it's like, I agree with you. Tell me a story. I, I don't it's think it's true. a
2: good reason. I don't think that anxiety is a good reason. I think that's that's that comes from um um underestimating the audience in most parts. I, I, I think right. that you're right. I agree with you. And I think that um uh, the thing that I like so much about the movie was that all of the the characters were introduced. There's a sense with horror, right, that we're coming out of the torture porn days yeah, where characters were simply introduced to be unlikable because they were going to be torn to pieces. Right. And that doesn't happen with this movie. Like, I was was steeled for it when we started watching it. Like, oh, she's going to be a bitch, so we're going to want to see her get a knife through the eye, you know. But there's much more going on.
4: Yeah, I mean I e y you're right. You're absolutely right. With the Friday the thirteenth of it all and, and you know the and the hostels the, 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 and the, the hostels. Saws, they're yeah. they are, the characters are dispensable and in a weird psychological way it makes you root for the villain in a way. And that's that's very strategic when they did all those Friday movies and stuff. You wanna root for Jason and this sort yeah. of vengeance. But horror's scarier if you care about the family. Absolutely. And, 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 and I
1: really liked her, and the actress did a Real Jill, right? Did oh, she, Jill, she, yeah, Jill
4: Larson and Ann Ramsey were just a gift. I mean, I, they are so they're incapable of a false note. And uh, Jill, Jill just was a tour de force, and she was she was willing to do anything. You know, get naked, Jill. Okay, rub yourself. <laughs> okay, where? You know, it was just like, <laughs> and, and, and um. Uh, just completely I love fearless. Your Jill voice. And, 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 and thank you. Uh, um, Jill is
2: possessing him. But moment. you know, what
4: was the most interesting is that Alzheimer's is really—it's never about one person. That was something that I heard from the research. Somebody, one of the doctors, had said that. And it's really—it's always a two-hander. It's—it's, it's, you know, the the person who's sort of vanishing before your very eyes, but it's also the caregiver, and it becomes much more painful and traumatic for the caregiver later in life. And I thought that was just really fascinating. And in the core of their Sarah and and. Um, and uh, Deb's relationship is this idea that Sarah was not accepted by her mother because that you know she liked girls when she you know and, yeah. and she and she held this sort of. Uh, resentment towards your mother this whole time and sort of through the course of the movie you realize that that's not necessarily true and right. so it, it we really wanted to paint multi-dimensional characters I, absolutely. you did a beautiful job absolutely and we're
2: going to be back with more with Adam Robatel on An his exciting film, details of his upcoming the projects. taking of Deborah Logan and exciting details of his upcoming projects after these promos
1: I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and on behalf of everyone here at The Dinner Party Show, I'd like to congratulate my co-host, Christopher Rice, on the publication of his first full-length erotic romance novel, The Surrender Gate*. It's the latest installment in his brand-new series, The Desire Exchange, which began with his novella, The Flame, last year. Both books are now on sale at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and if you buy them there, a portion of your sale supports the operation of this show. Congratulations, Christopher, and happy reading, everyone. Sounds like you might want to read this one alone.
5: Uh. 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 Uh.
0: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back
1: to The Dinner Party Show. I'm still Christopher Rice. And I'm still Eric Shaw Quinn. And I just wanted to say quickly before we got into other topics, when Adam was going to screen Deborah Logan at the house, I actually didn't have any doubts. I've seen your work um, over the years, I've actually worked. You've directed me before, and I didn't have
4: any doubts well, about what well, I was that's, getting that's ready to see. Well, tell people I, about that experience. <laughs> Where can
2: they see Eric Shaw Quinn in an
4: Adam Robitel picture? <laughs> actually, I'll have to post that on your website. Is it
2: available uh, anywhere? It was it, a, it's um, a corporate. It's an, a,
4: it's an instructional video on customer service with uh, starring John O'Hurley, who played Peterman on Seinfeld, and Eric played. Difficult customer. Yes. What a stretch. Yeah. Yes.
1: He was amazing. He, he was, amazing. was amazing. But, but you know, the point is I've seen your work even on simple projects. That's very Your kind ability of you. to you. edit, your ability to see the image, to tell a story with pictures, I, I think is really, you're a remarkably talented man. And I actually didn't have any doubts. That's I incredible. I wasn't thinking that your. I was going to say, you. what great costumes. I knew that I was going to see you. a yeah, great fine.
2: picture. Yeah, fine. So I'm the one who had doubts. Oh, well, Christopher's an, 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 an asshole. asshole. So what are you going to do? jaded bastard. Let's no, see if he I is just up to my that level. The of, no, I've never
1: made a movie. It's like, you know we can yeah. be glib with that, but honestly, I know what a talented. But you man never you are, know. So I, I had really... an
2: experience. I had an experience, and I'm going to leave all the names out of this story. Where a friend screened his film for a group of his friends in an apartment, and when it was over, one of us, not me, turned to him and said. Yeah, I just didn't get it, <laughs> and it was like the ouch, air had ouch. been sucked ouch. out of the room. Yeah, and I, I don't know. think they ever spoke again. These two people. I've um, had because, that experience. Like, I've had that experience with that. Adam.
1: We saw somebody else's screening where somebody went off on the director afterwards, and it was like, "Okay, we're gonna jump out the window <laughs> because it's nearer than you the door." You know what I usually
4: do in those situations is I, I just try to get out of there quick. Yeah, you know, just I gotta go. Awesome work, you know. It bam! Was great. And it was, you don't it was, have to do this. You made song. it from beginning
2: to end. You yeah, made a whole
1: movie.
4: It had yeah. a. Beginning This
1: woman
2: was
4: on on some
1: trumped-up, successful, flash-in-the-pan reality show, and she... Did a, I mean, she'd literally been taking. She had maybe eight pages of notes on a one-hour documentary that this guy had shot that we screened in somebody's living room, and she started in, and I literally thought
4: I was going to jump out the window. Adam and I were like, going, Oh my God, wow. what am I doing here? It's a, again, it depends Run. on the context because if they genuinely want like everybody to throw notes at them, like then that's warranted. But they'll but it, say it, that. But they'll say that, you yeah. know, if it's a final cut and you know, you're. Uh, you're it's, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's like when somebody sends she, she you. She had written a paper recut of the whole thing. I mean, oh, it was. My really God. like yeah. she was it was very presumptuous. Like I think he was open to our input, but Jesus Christ, eight pages of notes? My God, Wait, so she was taking notes while you guys were Apparently watching? Apparently so. I wasn't. Who is watching this woman? <laughs>
2: Let's tell all our party people to find her Twitter Honestly, account and pile I on. I
1: don't really know who she is. <laughs> I, I'd never seen her before. And since the reality show was is long gone. And you've
2: never watched a reality show in your life except for Kept. When yeah, I watched hunt. Kept, he lives one. Kept yeah. and
1: Manhunt. I actually did watch. Those were great reality
2: Adam, shows. we want to ask you what some of your favorite horror movies are.
4: Uh, it's such a loaded question. I mean, I you know one of the movies that I <laughs> because whoever you it, the people you don't mention will hate you. No, I mean I, I, I'm not a typical horror guy in a way. I don't like torture porn. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know all. I don't see every horror movie. I mean, I, I there was a movie called Session Nine, which I loved, which uh, Brad Anderson directed, only because it was set in the Danvers Insane Asylum, which was right up the street from where I grew up, and <laughs> they that explains so they much. They built yeah. the entire narrative around the location, so they got there, you know, and started writing the script based on the wings and the sort of the you know just the gothic monstrosity of a building and and it was a really interesting way to make a movie at that level of budget and it was the first film i think to be shot and i could be wrong uh full hd digitally oh and uh, it was a usa films it's sort of like a flash in the pan and there's just something so it's a very shining-esque kind of like murder mystery and the atmosphere, mm. the performances, just really well Seems done. Like I may have seen it, um, and I tell everybody to see that. Uh, and I also listen and it's to this called th- Session Nine. Session Nine, okay. yeah, and it, it just a uh, you know not for everybody, but I and it had a great score. These guys, um, Climax Golden Twins, who do all these weird analog musical scores where they mm-hmm. take like old like. You know, rustic pieces of machinery, and make sounds and tonal wow. tonalscapes out of them. And so,
2: I like the use of sound in your movie, and I'm glad you didn't have a score to really take away from it. Because I'm not going to give too much away, but there's a there's a literal device in the house that starts to become involved in what's going on and it was terrifying. It's like torment. I, I think noises can be some of the scariest things, particularly when you don't know the origin. Yeah. Like, my parents say that they used to draw the drapes and I would explode into tears as a little baby. But wow. Yeah. It was, really, it was well, just kind of too much caffeine. drapes were they? <laughs> I don't know what kind of drapes. Yeah, they'd given me too much espresso, espresso in my <laughs> bottle. They wanted me to start
1: with that poetry early. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it was the cigarettes and espresso, I think. But, yeah, and I mean,
4: I sound is, uh, is, is so much a part of a horror film it's 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 more in some ways way more important than the visual in a way because the you know you 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 think about *The Exorcist*, which made Eric laugh, but you know for other people it didn't. And, but a lot of I it know, was the people soundscape were freaked you know? out by that. Movie. And I did have a score, by the way. I had very—it was atmospheric and tonal. But parents high
2: were freaked out by that movie. Parents
4: were freaked out by the yeah. movie. And I think there's often been a
2: divide. There's horror for teenagers, which is about you're going to get murdered if you fuck. Right, right. Right. And then there's family horror, which which is stuck they're coming the, for the children. The modern 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 haunted house thing is usually about your children are going to be taken from you by a force. And I've never really felt like i fit into any of those camps so i don't yeah. i with the one exception of mama which i thought was actually a thriller and right. was really great and had a very gutsy ending for a studio movie but yeah it
4: is it's it's like the parent horror which is
2: the exorcist so all and horror the, horror by, by the way i have to I, I have to have an admission
4: yeah. to make which is you know i know jack morris who will be here next week i believe but uh I, there was a re-release screening of the exorcist the man's chinese yes i was drunk it was like it was like <laughs> very late at night and i was Incredibly drunk, and I started laughing, guffawing, and you yes. know how you know discreet my laugh. I know is. this story. Yeah. And, I yeah, know that and... before I knew you, I had asked Jack.
2: <laughs> was... What's up with this Adam guy? He wants to make movies, whatever. He said, you know, and he said, well, he laughed all the way
1: through The Exorcist. <laughs>
2: he was like, so it was upset. like, it was like, I did you, to... you had shit all over
1: his sacred
4: cow. Right? Jack didn't oh, talk God, to me for Jack at least it, a year.
1: Sure. I'll hear about that oh, next week. I
4: didn't. He didn't speak to me for at least a year. I got voted off the island, so. <laughs> Yeah. Now you but you. Have... It is a funny movie. There is moments that are oh my god. Absurd when now, she like... throws up on that priest, I yeah. just
1: absolutely have to get up. Especially when they follow it up with the two of them in the basement washing his whatever. His stole. Yeah. yeah. But you
2: also have to remember that when people originally saw The Exorcist in the theaters, that was the time in the history of our country when most people were stoned. Right. So I think that really affected their like, what are you going to do now, man? Right. He's going off the that window. that's your
1: impression of history. Yes, yeah, really it is. Great. There's
2: a stone period and the non-period. All right, Adam Robitel, it has been wonderful to have you. Oh, it's been We're great almost be. out of time, if well, you can believe it. So the
4: next project is? Uh, I'm going to direct a film called The Benders based on the Bloody Benders of Kansas. And uh, it's uh, based on a true story of a family of serial killers. And, and you're geek- writing it. And I, wrote, del, I wrote, del Toro uh, is uh, Guillermo, Guillermo Del Toro. Del Toro. <laughs> I've told you this Benicio, a million times, Benicio. Derek. Benicio's not available. Benicio. He's playing Wolfman. Uh, Benicio, but, uh, never keeps it, The straight. Wolfman takes Manhattan. We're yeah, just going straight to video. Guillermo del Toro is producing <laughs> yeah. and presenting it, and I'm incredibly excited. He and, uh, of Pan's
2: know. Labyrinth and Pacific Rim and Crimson yeah. Peak is going to so, be his Crimson next Peak, directorial yeah. movie.
1: And uh, Taking of Deborah Logan is available now. At thedinnerpartyshow.com. The
2: People can link through on the Amazon link, and they will support the Dinner Party Show if they and do. And Adam. It's also available on Netflix. It's on Netflix streaming right now. Absolutely. Adam Robitel. thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Dinner Party Show. It was great to have you. Our party people apparently have crushes on you, including Sharon Haas and others. (laughs) And Amy Bellino and other party people are happy that Brandon Griffith made a cameo appearance in the Instagram photo I just posted a few minutes ago. Uh, join us next week when Jack Morrissey will be here and we will hopefully be debuting an exciting new component to the Dinner Party Fingers show.com.
1: crossed!
2: Fingers crossed. In the meantime, oh I will remain Christopher Rice. And I will always be Eric Shaw Quinn. And you will have been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Good night. Thanks.